happening. Welcome to Word of Life Chapel this morning. We're so glad that you could join us. It's been two weeks, right? We missed the Sunday last week, so it's great to see your faces. Great to be together again. A couple of announcements to share with you this morning. First of all, Saturday, February 16th at 5 p.m., there is a sweetheart banquet here at the church. So there's a sign-up sheet in the fellowship hall. More information here if you look at your bulletin about the meal and, and the entertainment for that evening. It's going to be a, a great time. Also, there's going to be a business meeting following the service today. Uh, we encourage everybody to attend, uh, as well as there is a vote for all members uh, on the Parsonage roof. So if you could make sure that following the service today, you get your ballot if you are a member and vote for the Parsonage roof. Every morning at 8.30 here at Word of Life Chapel, there's prayer in the basement for our country. Um, if you've been paying attention to the news at all, you know that our country is in a very poor state. Um, but no matter what state our country is in, we know who sits on the throne, right? But, but we have an obligation, I believe, as Christians to pray for our country. Um, our, our country needs the prayers. I mean, you saw what happened in New York this week. Terrible. Terrible. And so we, we need to pray. Right? It's not enough to write a Facebook status or forward an email. We need to pray. And so let me encourage you to come out Sunday mornings, 8.30, down to the basement where there's a group of people that are praying for the country every single week. Next Sunday, 8.30 in the morning, we hope you can make it. Would you pray with me? God, we are so thankful for your love for us. God, we're thankful that no matter what's going on, Father, you sit on the throne. Father, that is our confidence. That is our assurance. Lord, and we rest in that. Lord, we pray this morning, Father, that you would move in this place. Father, may you be glorified. May you be magnified. Father, from the sounds of the voices to the reading of the scripture, Father, may your name be praised. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's take a few moments to stand up, step out, turn around, shake a hand. Welcome those around you to the service today. All right, would you continue standing with us as we sing about how we're free in Christ? Who am I that the highest king would welcome We are having actually some technical difficulties. You know, I think we all, we all know a couple of songs. We can go without words, right? Without words. How about How Great Is Our God? Does everybody know that one? You remember that song? Let's do that. Let's do that. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God! How great!
for what the Lord has for us by singing, Lord, prepare me. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. Or is it still going to make it crash? All right. 
You may be seated. You may be seated. <laughs> take a time of prayer this morning. Uh, let me mention a few things, a um, couple on our sheet, a couple that are not. Um, there's a lady, I, some of you know Glenda Listener. Uh, she has a grandson who was in an accident and had a concussion. And so we would ask that you pray for this, this little boy. Also, Missy Lebo, she's not with us this morning, I don't think. Um, she's been struggling with pneumonia and um, she's supposed to have a few heart tests this past Friday. There's heart issues in the family, um, but because of her pneumonia, uh, she was unable to have those tests. So she's going through a bit of a battle right now with some health issues, so keep uh, Missy Lebo uh, in your prayers. Also, Dave Booker's brother Joe was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and so we need to keep him in prayer. Um, uh, we'll give you more details as they unfold to us, uh, um, but keep uh, Dave's brother in your prayers. And then, of course, Nancy Wilbert. Uh, we've been mentioning her quite often, and I know you pray quite a bit for her. Uh, every day, there's a little bit of progression. Um, it's really quite amazing, uh, from visit to visit, how much she has progressed. Uh, I was in on uh, this past uh, Thursday-ish, I forget the exact day, and walked through the, you know, the uh, front door of the osteopathic hospital, community general, and uh, I was a little bit surprised and taken back uh, to see Tim pushing Nancy in a wheelchair out of the gift shop. Uh, it was the first time I saw her sitting up, and so uh, there's always progression. Uh, you keep praying as she uh, is undergoing, uh, I think, four hours, actually, of of speech and physical therapy both in one day. Um, so they're working her pretty hard, but that's a good thing. Uh, but you do pray for her. They upgraded her eating now. Uh, when I was there, she had a nice big Hamburg that day. And uh, so she's chewing. And um, we're just thankful that God is, has brought her to where she is. Um, she's come a long way. She has a long way to go. Don't misunderstand me. A long way to go. But she has come a long way from where she was. So, Father, we come before you this morning. We're thankful, Lord, that you've allowed us uh, to come. Lord, we know that weather and snow and wind, all these things, Lord, are in your control. And, Father, we weren't able to meet last Sunday, but, Father, you've allowed us today. Uh, Lord, it almost appears as though a little bit of sun is coming through the window, and we, we thank you for this day which you have made. It's a wonderful day. Lord, it's always a good day when the people of God can come together into a warm sanctuary and to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. You are a mighty, mighty God. And Father, we're thankful that we know you in a very personal way through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for that relationship. We thank you for the assurance that you have given to us, that we know without a shadow of a doubt that we are your children through faith in your Son. 
Father, I thank you too for the scriptures, the word of God that you've given to us to live by, the rule of faith and life. And I pray, Lord, that we might make the word of God, make it real, that we might apply it, that we might live it out, that we might practice it, that we might do it, and not just be hearers only. Father, we'll speak more detail regarding that in just a few moments, but Father, help us to be controlled by your Spirit, to be guided by he who lives within us, to live out your word. Father, we have the great privilege as well as your children to be able to intercede on behalf of one another. Father, what an opportunity it is for us this morning to come together and lift before you these folks, Lord, who need our prayers. Father, we think of this grandson of a son of Glenda Listener and pray that, Father, you might touch him and you might heal this, this young fellow. We think of Missy. Lord, we know for weeks now she's been struggling with various issues, and we just we commit her to you and pray that very soon she might be able to take these tests uh, that might uh, reveal something that is not quite functioning as it should in her body. So we commit her to you, Lord, and miss her. Lord, we miss these who we haven't seen for quite some time. We think of Joe Booker this morning, Lord, and his life has been radically changed with this diagnosis now of cancer. We pray for him, pray that there would be treatment, pray that there might be something, Lord, that might be able to help this cancer go into remission, and Father, so that he might live a long and, and, and healthy life. Father, of course, we think of Nancy this morning. Lord, we do thank you for the progress. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought her to where she is today. We pray that you would continue to help her to work hard in therapy, that she might be rehabilitated and, Lord, be able to return home. We ask, Lord, that you would watch over her. Help Tim, Lord. I, what an example of a, a man who has stood by his wife through all of these things. In sickness and in health of Val's state. Lord, in this sickness, he has stood by his wife. And we thank you, Lord, for Tim. Give him safety as he travels back and forth every day to be by her side. And Father, we commit Nancy to you. Praying, Lord, that you would continue to help her form sentences. Continue, Lord, to help her to, to eat uh, normal food. And Father, we pray that Soon, Lord, she might be able to get up on her feet and begin to walk once again. So, Lord, we commit her to you. And we ask, Lord, that uh, she might know how much we care and how much we support. I, I thank you, Father, for the people, so many in this church who have been there for her and with her and visited her. And, Father, we're thankful for that. You're a great God. Father, we've come to worship you. May Jesus Christ be praised. We pray in his name. Amen. Before Leonard comes to lead us in a hymn, I did fail to mention 
uh, that Nancy's birthday is February the 1st. And we want to throw a card shower for her. I know some of you know, I think I sent an email out, um, but if you haven't heard already, uh, her birthday is February the 1st, and um, we want to send cards to her. Uh, her address, um, it's not here, is it? 4300, okay, the name is, is Helen Simpson Rehabilitation Hospital, 4300 Londonderry Road. And her room number is 278. Zip? I don't know the zip. No, she'll get it. What is it? 17109. There you have it. You got, Ruthie has it all written down. There you go. 17109. So please, send her a card. Um, she loves getting cards. You know, to be able to sit there and look at these cards and read them. Um, she just got a new pair of reading glasses, too. Uh, when she came out of that gift shop, it was, it was funny, it was funny. We, uh, we went over to the, um, there's like a section there in the front where all the chairs are, where you can sit by the big windows, and um, we went over and, and we sat there in the chairs, and uh, they actually went into the gift shop to get these peanut butter eggs that a church had made. I said, did you only get two? Tim said, I'll go back. No, 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 Tim. I, I don't go back and get me one. But Tim and I shared. Nancy wouldn't share with me. <laughs> no, she probably would have. But we sat and ate our peanut butter eggs, and the sun was kind of coming through the window, and we had a nice, a nice time. So um, you do pray for Nancy. You do pray for her. And I'm sure the Lord will bless, bless your prayer. So Leonard, come and lead us in hymn number 225, Standing on the Promises of God. standing so I'll ask you to stand up with me as we sing this hymn hymn number 225 standing on the promises of Christ my king <clears throat> standing on the promises of Christ my king through eternal ages let his praises I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises and not fail when the howling storms of life and days are fair. By the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing. Standing on the promises of Christ my Lord, bound to Him eternally by strong support, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. 
promises I cannot fail, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of Sam was away on a business trip. He was away for quite a number of weeks. And so when he decided to come back home, he decided to get his wife a small gift. And so he went to the store and he talked to the cosmetic clerk and said he wanted to get a bottle of perfume to take home to his wife. Well, she comes and shows him a $60 bottle of perfume. He looks at that bottle and he says... Um, that's just a little bit too much. So she takes it back and comes back with a 30 bottle, $30 bottle of perfume. He looks at that bottle and he says, I, you know, that still is just a little bit too much. So she takes that back and comes to him with a 15 bottle, a little tiny bottle of perfume. He said, maybe you don't know exactly what I mean. I want, I want to get something cheap. And she takes it back and comes back and hands him a mirror. <laughs> Did you know that mirrors, they don't lie? Mirrors reveal who we really are. A mirror is something that reveals not the way we act. It doesn't reveal what others think of us. It doesn't reveal our past. A mirror will reveal who you are today. The Bible in James chapter 1 is likened to a mirror. That when we look into the word of God, we see ourselves as we really are. Not physically, but spiritually. This morning you looked in a mirror, most likely. And there was a reason you did that. You knew that something needed changed. Your hair isn't the same after you wake up in the morning. Maybe your teeth need brushed or your tie needed straightened. When you look into a mirror, you look in to fix something, to correct something, to make a change. And so when we look into the Word of God, as it reveals our flaws and our sins. We look into the Word of God and we see deep inside of ourselves. We look into the mirror of God's Word and we begin to see our attitudes and our motives and how much we are or aren't like Jesus. So if you would please turn with me to James chapter 1. And let's look into the mirror of the Word of God. Starting at verse 22, James says, Do not merely listen 
to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately he forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So you looked in the mirror this morning and you saw that your hair needed combed. You saw that your teeth needed brushed and that your tie needed straightened. And what did you do? Did you walk away? Or did you make the changes? Did you correct what you saw? You see, the Bible, it does reveal to us who we are. Not yesterday, not sometime tomorrow, but today. And so when you look into the Word of God, it reveals to you sin. It reveals to you your flaws. It shows you hatred and gossip. It shows that you are a proud person or filled with lust or bitterness. And so when you look into the Word of God, the question is then, how do you react to that? When the Bible shows you who you really are, what do you do? How do you respond? James says in verse 22, he says, we must not be merely listeners or hearers, but we must do what the Bible says. Do what the Bible says. This is a command. Do what it says. Hearing God's word and not doing is like looking into a mirror and leaving without making changes. It really doesn't make much sense. If you see your hair needs combed, your teeth need brushed, your tie needs straightened, and you just walk away and do nothing about it. I think one of the most comprehensive purpose statements of the Bible is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let me read to you what Paul writes about the scriptures in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the purpose statement of the scriptures, that the Bible is inspired, that the Bible is inerrant, infallible. You see, God wrote the scriptures using human authors. God moved these men as they were moved by the Spirit of God. We're creating an infallible and inerrant Word of God, which means that it has no errors. It is completely true from cover to cover. There are no mistakes, nothing false. Not only that, but the Bible is authoritative. It's authoritative. 
and it will rebuke us when we're wrong, and it will train us to do what is right. And James says, we must listen, but not merely listen. Listening is important. It's the first step. You're here this morning to listen, but that's not enough. To just sit here and listen to a sermon is not enough. It starts with listening. As a matter of fact, the context of this text that I just read, before it, it speaks about listening, and after it, it speaks about In verse 19, it says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And after this text, it says, keep a tight rein on your tongue. Quick to listen and slow to speak. You know, there are people who are really not listening. They're just listening to think through what they want to say next. They're just always wanting to talk. But be quick to listen and slow to speak and keep a tight rein on your tongue. Now, we're going to say more about this in a few weeks. When we come to chapter 3, he says a whole lot more about the tongue. And so we're going to deal with some of these verses. But for now, the point I'm making is this. Listening is important. And it is important when it comes to God's word. But it's not enough. When it comes to the word of God, it's not enough. You must put what you've heard into practice. John says in his first letter he says dear children let us not love with words and speech but with actions and with truth in other words don't just say i love you show me show me isn't that what god did god didn't just say i love you the bible says for god he so loved the world that he gave. God showed the world how much he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God loves us, but he showed us that love. Last weekend I had a wedding on Saturday. Um, it was Mikel. Sermendi and Nicole Shepley. Uh, she, Nicole is the daughter of Trudy Payton. And um, it was on that wintry, snowy Saturday. And I read the passage of Scripture right here. I stood right here and read 1 Corinthians 13, that great love chapter in the Bible. You know, we think of love. I, I, this is what I challenge, as I challenge them. I, you know, we think of love as a mystery. Love is just merely a feeling, or it's only an emotion. It's so much more than that. For Paul defined love when he said love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle, love is never rude. It doesn't keep a record of past wrongs. And Paul lists all of these things, what love is. Love is much more than just a 
feeling. It's something we do. It's how we treat one another. And so, John says, dear children, let's not just love with words and speech. Don't just tell someone you love them. Show them. Show them. My wife was um, an auditor while I was going to Lancaster Bible College. And um, she sat in on a class by Dr. Tom uh, Feigert. And um, it, was in a it was in the Gospel of Matthew. But she was an auditor, which meant that she just was a hearer. Uh, she didn't take any tests. She didn't get any grades. She got no credit. She just listened in on the teaching. Now, that's okay if you're at a Bible college. That's not okay when it comes to the Word of God. The word here, we get our word auditor from that. We are not to be auditors when it comes to God's Word. We are not to be merely listeners. We must put it into practice. We cannot allow ourselves to come and just hear a sermon we cannot allow ourselves to go to Sunday school and just hear a lesson. We cannot allow ourselves to listen to a devotional on the radio. James says, do it. Often we stop after we hear it, after we listen to it, but we have to go that next step. Imagine your children. And you say to your children, you know, there are children sometimes that need instruction. Sometimes you even have to tell them to clean their room. That they don't know enough when their room gets so messy that they've got to get down on their knees and start to clean. So let's imagine you have one of those children who they just need to be told every once in a while, your room needs clean. And you make the instructions very clear. I want you to clean under your bed, I want you to dust your bookshelf, and I want you to organize your clothes in the closet. And 15 minutes goes by, and they're sitting on their phone, and you say, did you hear what I said? Oh, yes. What did I say? You said I was to clean under my bed. You said I was to dust the bookshelf. And you said I was to organize the clothes in my closet. And they repeat back to you. They had the instructions memorized. And then you ask, but did you do it? Well, no, but. <laughs> Can you imagine God looking down upon us, giving us all of these instructions, all of these words, all of these commands, and we read it, we memorize it, we know it cover to cover, and God says, but did you do it? Did you put all those things I stated in practice? Have you applied it to your life? Have you made changes? Well, no, but... You see, it's not enough just to listen. James gives us a command. He says, do what it says. Execute, practice. You know, Jesus, he told the story of the two builders. There was a wise man and, and there was a foolish man in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. 
And the wise man, Jesus said, he, he built his house upon a rock, a firm foundation. The foolish man, on the other hand, he built his house upon the sand. And when the winds and the storms come, what happens? The man who built his house upon the rock, it stands firm. And the man who built his house upon the sand, the foolish man, it crumbles. And he applies that, Jesus does, to a man who hears the word of God and does the word of God. That's the wise man. The foolish man is the man who hears the word of God, but he doesn't do the word of God. And so when the storms of life come into our lives, the wise man who has built his house on the rock, who does the word of God, he can stand firm in the trials and tribulations. The foolish man, his house collapses. And so from cover to cover, we discover the command to do and not merely to hear. Dr. Jeremiah, in his commentary on the book of James, he breaks these two groups down into the casual approach and the careful approach to the scriptures. The wise man, he takes a careful approach. The foolish man, on the other hand, he takes a very casual approach. And so for the next two points, I want to use these two approaches. First of all, the casual approach. How do you approach scripture? When you open the Bible, when you come to church, is it kind of in a casual manner? Eh, we ought to get to church this morning. Look at verse 23 again. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and then after he looks at himself, he goes away and immediately he forgets what he even looks like. He looks in the mirror and walks away, never making any changes. This is the guy who comes to church with his Bible, but when he jumps in his car to go home, he throws it in the back seat and doesn't see it again until next Sunday. Doesn't take the scriptures very seriously. Hasn't made the Bible a light for his path and a lamp for his feet. And I think James, even in this text, he, he, he seems to speak of the importance of, of acting upon the word of God very quickly. Making commitments and following them through. Because the more you let that time pass, you, you begin to forget. Like this morning, you looked into the mirror and you, you saw the little sleepy dust in the corner of your eye. Next thing you know, you walk away and you forget it's even there. And James seems to indicate that oftentimes we look at the scriptures and we, we see something there. We see a change that needs to be made. And for some reason, we get distracted and we walk away and we forget what God has just showed us. We forget what we saw in the mirror of God's word. We hear a sermon about forgiveness, and a name pops into your mind. You know that there's that, 
that woman, that man at work, that you, you did something wrong, you said something that wasn't right, and you know that you should ask forgiveness, and you hear that sermon on forgiveness, and you want to do that this coming week, but then your mind begins to wander during the service, and you're beginning to think about what I'm going to have for lunch, and what am I going to do this afternoon, and we kind of have a tendency to walk away and, and forget. Or you hear on the radio, a, a teacher challenges you to pray more as you're commuting to work. And you hear that powerful message that prayer is powerful and effective to the righteous man. And you say, I'm, I'm going to make a change. And then you get cut off in traffic. And next thing you know, you completely forget what you've just heard and the commitment that you wanted to make. Or you're reading the Bible in your devotions. They're early in the morning. You're sitting on your favorite chair. And you read a passage like the one I just read here. Have a tight rein on your tongue. And you said, you know, I, I, sometimes I'm pretty loose <laughs> with the things I say. I'm pretty critical. And I, sometimes I, I, I find myself caught up in that whole gossip thing. You say, you know, I, I really ought to make some type of change here. And you close up your Bible. And next thing you know, you're on the phone and you're doing the same thing you just said you weren't going to do. This is the casual approach to Scripture. You know, back in James chapter 4 and verse 17, and we'll get there at some point in this series, but in James chapter 4 and verse 17, it says this, If anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it to them, it is sin. How often do we sin because we know this is what I should do? I know I should do this. To that person who knows the good he should do and he doesn't do it, the Bible says it is sin. Years ago, I remember when I was a kid, we used to go to a, a fun house. It had those, uh, that house of mirrors. Have you ever seen those mirrors? I, I don't know where that was when we were kids, but we used to go to this one place and um, you'd go into the the house of mirrors and you look into the one mirror you know and you look like you were short and fat or you walk over to the next one and you're tall and skinny or you look into the next one and you're all muscles you've all been there i see your heads going up and down uh, uh, clearly and obviously that was not an accurate reflection of of who you are but when we look into the mirror of god's word we can trust it we, we can trust what God has said here. It does accurately reflect who you are. And if we let it, if we let the word, it will change us. It will transform us into the image of God's Son. We'll find feelings, thoughts. We'll see attitudes that we've hold, held on to, and we need to allow God to mold and, and, and shape and make us into the image of Jesus. We need to allow God's word to impact the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we think, the way we act. In every aspect of life, God's word must saturate us and work through us. The casual approach is that we 
We don't take the scriptures very seriously. We, we might read a passage, but we're not really looking for God's word to do anything. To move into our hearts and lives and minds and make us different. We're not looking for that. But there's a careful approach Dr. Jeremiah speaks of. And he finds that at the beginning of verse 25. And it starts with a little word, but. It's a contrasting word. Here's the casual approach, but there's a whole other way of approaching Scripture. This is the careful approach. Notice what it says at the beginning of verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. You see, there's another way to approach Scripture than the casual approach. It's the careful approach. He looks intently. It's not just a glance, but a gaze. The same word, looks intently, is the word that is used of John the Apostle on resurrection morning. Remember when Peter and uh, John, when they had a, a race to the empty tomb? Remember Mary Magdalene, she uh, went to the tomb first and then she sees that it's empty. And she goes and tells the disciples and John and Peter here that this uh, tomb is empty, not knowing where the body is. And so they have a foot race. John's a little faster. John gets to the tomb first. Peter then is going to arrive. Peter will go straight into the tomb and then John will follow. But this is what it says of John as he gets to the empty tomb first. The Bible says John bent over and he looked into. Now the word looked into is the same word here to look intently. Can you imagine what John was looking at? Looking for? He was examining. He was investigating. He sees where the body lay, but here's just the clothes that are laying there. And he looked very carefully, very seriously. And that's the word here of the careful approach. The one who looks intently into this perfect law. You know, maybe this morning when you looked into the mirror, you, you kind of stood and upright and you, you looked. But then you saw something. You wanted to get a little closer look. That's the word that's used here. It's the word that's used of John as he bent over and looked into. This is that serious approach to Scripture. When you open the Word of God, it's not a book that after Sunday you're going to throw in the back seat. You're going to take it home. And Sunday afternoon and on Monday and Tuesday, you're going to use it because you know that there are things said here you need to know and you need to do. And you take the Word of God as authoritative. Now, although the figure of the mirror uh, is still in James's mind, he moves and speaks of the word as the perfect law. You know, there's something about that word law. He calls the word of God law. Something about the word law that has authority behind it. The word law has power behind it. It has and demands obedience. 
And so he uses the word, it's a perfect law. It's God's perfect word. And the careful student will come to the word of God and he will do it. He will understand that this is God speaking directly to him with all the authority in heaven. And he obeys and he applies and he practices and he executes what he has read. Dr. Jeremiah, he also takes the little words, continue in it. And he um, has a little section in his commentary on meditation. Meditation. We, we often think of that as a bad word. Uh, you know, the Eastern meditation where you empty your mind of everything. Now, that's, that's completely opposite of the word meditation in Scripture. The Bible speaks of meditation. In the Psalms, David speaks often about meditating on the Word of God. It's not emptying your mind. It's filling your mind with God's Word. And it's going over and over and over again. Like a cow who, chuds, a cow who chews its cud. You know, he chews and he chews and he chews and swallows it and brings it back up and chews it again. And so the word of God is to saturate us. It's to fill us as we go over it and over it and over it again. Dr. Jeremiah, if I may speak of him again, he, he, he says there's a difference between an explorer and a tourist. Someone who explores and someone who is just a tourist. The tourist, he travels quickly, stopping to observe the highly noticeable or publicized points of interest. The explorer, on the other hand, he takes his time to search out all that he can find. It's crucial for us to take our time in the Word of God, to find out all that we can discover, filling our minds with God's truth, thinking about it, praying over it, saturating yourself, and then doing it and putting it into practice. And the person who does that, the person who does the word of God, the Bible says is blessed. That there's a special blessing that rests upon the person who does not merely listen, but he puts it into practice. At the end of verse 25, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. God blesses obedience. God blesses doing. God blesses putting his word in practice. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The blessing is not in the hearing. The blessing is not in the listening. The blessing, James says, is in the doing. The blessing is in the obedience. The blessing is when you walk away from the word of God and you change your life because you've heard a change that needs to be made. We must hear. You must come to my sermons. You must go to Sunday school. Children, you must go to Awana. You must go to ladies' group. You must hear the word of God. You must have a devotional time where you're reading it. 
But you can't stop there. If all you do is hear the word of God, your life hasn't been changed. You must do it and put it into practice and execute what you have heard. That's when change takes place. And Peter says we're to saturate ourselves with the word and grow by it. He doesn't mean just keep it in your mind. He means let it move into your heart and change you. Change is what God is looking for. Change is why God gave us his word. It's not merely to read. That's where it starts. But we must put it into practice. And when we stop with the hearing, we stop short of the blessing. He will be blessed in what they do. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, it's your word that changes lives. It's your word that brings about transformation. And we're thankful for that. Father, we often stop short. We often stop with the listening, with the hearing. Father, help us to take your word seriously, to understand that this is the inerrant, inspired, authoritative word of God speaking to us, speaking to us. God, this, this is how you speak to us today. It's not the visions and the dreams anymore, Lord. That's Old Testament. You have given us your word. This is how you talk. This is how you speak. So if we want to hear your voice, Lord, it's through your word. That's why we preach. That's why we teach the word of God. This is, this is your book. So, Father, I pray that we might come and approach the scriptures carefully, seriously, understanding that as we look into this mirror, God, you want to change us and mold us and shape us to be something new, something different. So we thank you so much, Lord, for your willingness to reveal to us your, your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's sing about those words of life. Uh, hymn number 222. Uh, let's sing about the beautiful words, the wonderful words, wonderful words of life. By the way, this is Word of Life Chapel, right? Uh, it's it, the word that gives life. Word that gives life. Um, let's stand and we'll sing uh, these three stanzas. And then stay for the business meeting right after the service. You're invited to stay if you can. If you have to leave, uh, feel free to. But um, we have a budget that we would like to uh, present to all of you. So uh, feel free to stay for that this morning. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, for words of life. Life and beauty, teach me faith and duty, tea for words, wonderful words, 
wonderful word, beautiful words, wonderful words of life. Christ the blessed one gives to all. Sinnerless to the loving call. All so freely given, wooing us to heaven. Beautiful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words of life. Sweetly echo the gospel call. Offer pardon and peace to all, wonderful words of life. Jesus, only Savior, forever. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. So if you must leave, uh, you are dismissed. Uh, if you're staying for the business meeting, just stay where you are, and in a few minutes we'll get, we'll get started. God bless you. Uh, you're dismissed.